Welcome to the Hey Soul Sister podcast, where Mel Histon will guide you through life's big questions and bring you one step closer to doing this crazy journey as best you can. Hey Soul Sisters, today is International Women's Day. It's a party in here. It's a day for all of us to join voices with people around the world and shout our message for equal rights, loud and clear that women's rights are human rights. Yeah, and so I have three amazing women in here with me today to celebrate International Women's Day. I have Nerida Bint. Hello. Hey, Nez, founder of Lissom, Australia's largest women-only gym. I can't wait to hear from you. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Oh, Nez, you do amazing work with women, helping them with their confidence and strength and mm. health and well-being. So, of course, we'd love to have you here. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure. Oh, thanks, love. We have Michelotta Tharp, who is founder of the Mindfulness Clinic, international speaker and author, and my mindfulness guru, as I like to say. Hey, my, my friend, Charlotta. Hi, darling. I actually struggle to navigate this world without her. <laughs> and fun. You know how to say... <laughs> I'll say the nice word, really, to flatter me. <laughs> I really, really wanted to do something to acknowledge International Women's Day for a couple of reasons. Uh, firstly, because I suppose I see every day at Got You Back Sister, which is a charity that I run, um, the impact of gender inequity, gender inequality, and the impact of really warped gender roles in our community. So for those of you who don't know Got You Back Sister, we help women and children who've escaped domestic violence to start their lives again. And really, people ask all the time, why do we have violence? Why do we have domestic violence? And a lot of the time, I mean, it's a really complex issue, but a lot of the time it does come down to skewed views of gender, Mm. the role of men and women in Mm. relationships. Um, And the other thing as well is a couple of years ago, I uh, was fortunate enough to go to Necca Island for a a leadership retreat and Alyssa Milano was there. Now, she was not the founder of the Me Too movement, but she was certainly a catalyst in getting it out there into the world. And um, she was there and Mark Manson, who wrote The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And again, I found it interesting that she was um, very staunch in her views about, um, you know, violence towards women ending, you know, which we all agree with. But um, she had, a, I believe it was quite a simplistic view. And Mark Manson opened up and he went, well, actually, I think a lot of men in the world are really confused mm. around their roles. Yeah. So because I love the three of you and I see you as such wonderful female leaders and role models in our community, I really wanted to come and, and have a chat about that in International Women's Day and place of our of women in the world and what we think we can all do to support other women and um and end domestic violence okay that's a big thing but you know what we can all do to support each other in the community and make change choose to challenge which is the theme for this year mm-hmm. so let's start with a bit of a chat i'm going to put it to you miss charlotta first my friend how do you experience being a woman in the world right now i think that I am acutely aware that we have never had it better in many ways. Mm. I mean, there's things that make it more challenging, but historically we've never been more legally equal. So in that way, I think we're doing really well and I think we've made enormous progress. I personally, I was brought up by a feminist, you know, in Denmark, 
that meant that you you wore a dyed nappy on your head. This sounds really weird, doesn't it? That does sound weird. A <laughs> dyed nappy, really, yeah, <laughs> ideally purple. So it's, it wasn't a used nappy. It was, and and the Danish nappy is a little bit different. It's sort of muslin, muslin. Yeah. Is it called muslin? Yeah. Yes. So we wore those in our heads, which indicated you're a freaking feminist, right? But at the time, I was just experiencing it as being an equalist, if you like, like just you no. Know, equality between men and women and so I was brought up quite you know by and, and surrounded by women also who are very empowered women so I suppose I've taken that with me and then I came in and you know I was married to somebody who was in the armed forces where I was then the accessory and for a long time I was so acutely aware of what it's like to just be that little accessory where you're standing listening you're just you you're kind of not part of it you just it's not your life it's their life um, and I remember many years ago I studied um, gender society and um, something else and it was a, an amazing unit and one of the the lecturers said you know that that it's very clear that we used to have one one individual in relationships and families and that was the man and he had a life and everyone else was supportive around that now we're bringing in two people into relationships right both want to have a life and that's challenging because you have clashes and you have different interests. And I think that's a really interesting way of seeing it. So I suppose I've experienced it that I have choices. I've been very blessed, I think. And certainly in my work career, I haven't felt an acute sort of uh, discrimination or anything like that. So I think I've been very privileged. But I am also aware that I have lived, I'm born in a lucky country. I mm. live in a lucky country. And I've also been lucky and I've had resources. So my experience, I know, is is mine and it certainly doesn't relate to all women. Wow, we have a special guest who's just walked into the podcast station. We're very excited she's here. The Lord Mayor of Newcastle, New Itali. Hello, how are you? You can jump on for Charlotte if you like. Say Lord Mayor New Itali. Or can I just call you New Itali? New Itali. <laughs> New Itali is completely fine. Beautiful. So you are a woman working in a very male-dominant, like a man's world in politics. How do you find that being a woman in such a male-dominated environment? Look, I have to say that it's getting much easier uh, as I get older and I've been doing the job uh, now as the Lord Mayor for over six years. But I can tell you it wasn't very easy uh, six years ago at this very pointed time. Some of it was probably gender-related, age-related. I was 38 um, when I was first elected. But having said that, I'd also been a councillor for six years prior to that. So I was quite experienced in local government. And I think I might have said this to you before when we've spoken, local government in and itself, in terms of the role of councillors, the average councillor is male in their 50s and from a white Anglo-Saxon background. So there is a diversity issue um, in local government just in general for councillors. So I was quite unusual even as a councillor when I first got elected at 32. Uh, so That is... That is breaking yeah, the norm. That is young as well. I've seen a huge change just in the last 10 years in, in in local government in particular. There's been a real push to have more women, more diversity and you know people from different backgrounds involved. But a council structure and a local government structure is a little bit different to the parliamentary structures in state and federal parliament. And we've seen a big step change, um, particularly in the Labor Party, because they introduced quotas. And there's quotas, those quotas filter down into local branches, for example. So they're those quotas and there was a big discussion of I think going back 10 years should you have them shouldn't you have them you know women should you know just stand on their own and so there are mechanisms that you can put in place that sort of 
promote diversity, gender equality and the like. So the quote is, because I remember hearing um, you know, conversation around that, you know, years ago about putting quotas like women on boards, that sort of thing. So you, you would see that as a good thing. 100%. Yeah. 100%. I believe in the quota system and what it does is you get that step change in culture much more quickly Mm. it'll get it within a generation Mm -hmm. rather than waiting generations and Mm. generations because the type of cultural change that we're talking about is entrenched in our daily Mm. behavior Mm -hmm. it's it's entrenched Mm -hmm. from it's generations yeah yeah so nez Mm -hmm. you as being the um, owner of australia's largest women only gym you are surrounded by women Mm -hmm. every day Mm -hmm. now i only really I suppose heard of International Women's Day I reckon it was only about maybe seven or eight years ago it was never really on my radar and that was because I think I went to a Gen X Women event yeah um, mm-hmm. International Women's Day now I hear about it all the time now and it's very much on my radar with um got your back sister so given that you're surrounded by women all the time is that something that you hear women talk about you know first of all that they're aware of international women's day but actually talking about you know gender roles and and the treatment of women in the workplace or home yeah um so we've been celebrating international women's day i think for about four years now it's kind of been on my radar for about that long um and every year we open up um both of our sites we welcome you know, not just our own members, but their friends as well. And we really try hard to create like, you know, on another level as uh, opposed to what we normally do, but a very empowering day of like them training and connecting and just really tapping in and connecting with each other. Um, I suppose that's probably the only day that we do, you know, kind of chat about that and what the theme is for that year. But do you know what's interesting is that when I, a few years ago, so when did you start Lassam? Seven, we'll be seven this year. So I remember it must have been, I reckon, six or seven years ago, I had heard about a new gym mm-hmm. and it was a women-only gym. I had never met you. I've kind of only met you in the last two years or so, mm-hmm. but I'd heard about this gym and somebody had been to it and they were saying how uplifting it was and how all the women really supported each other. Yeah. And so I suppose I kind of see that and it is a really big step in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, we're wanting to make change and and bring women's issues to the fore and, and wanting to make change mm. um, so that women are viewed as equal. I'm like, we need to see ourselves as equal. Well, do you know what the funny thing is? I always say, you know, I'm the gym owner that cares the least about getting people fit. Like, you know, I really don't care about getting women fit and strong. It's yeah. just a vehicle for them to come together in a space and I try really hard and we talk about culture all the time. That's all I do. And we create a culture where... You know, people can, you know, be who they are. They can be empowered to chase their dreams. Or, or and, and women are the, you know, it's funny. I've never really suffered from this. Anytime I've had an inkling, like I played a lot of sport growing up and I think that really set me up to have real confidence in myself. So as soon as I started thinking about creating a song, I just did it. Yeah. But I see in women, they have so much fear. It could be leaving a, domestic, a violent relationship. It could be starting their business that they've wanted to start for years. It could, it could be anything. And what we try really hard to do, what I've seen firsthand is when women have a community behind them that will back them, they will achieve incredible things. And that's why I do what I do. I don't care about getting them fit. I care about the other parts of their life and making sure they're living to their full potential. So have any of you actually experienced firsthand gender inequity? (laughs) 100%. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you might speak up, Natalie. Well, I think I've spoken to you about it before, but 
I have known about International Women's Day, I'd say, my whole life. I remember when I was in high school and I went to Newcastle High, I think I was in Year 7 and we did dances, like, you know, school discos, but we had themes and it was an S theme and I remember going, oh, I'm going to go to go get dressed up and whatever else. And my mum was like, oh, you should go as a suffragette. And I was like, wow, that's a great idea, mum. I'll dress up like a suffragette and I'll re- wear green and purple and a big dress like from you know the early 1900s. That's a great costume. Oh, that's not cool. <laughs> Could you imagine rocking up? Everyone's like, what's a suffragette and what have you got on? Yeah. See, really, you were yeah. thinking Madonna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, I'm a, I'm a future leader. <laughs> cool you're going to think it's cool in 20 years time yeah so that gives you probably insight into like how I grew up so literally I didn't know that everyone didn't know what a suffragette was and then also obviously my mum had no idea that nobody else knew so I did grow up in a very progressive household so I had no only a sister so no brothers and I was the eldest child so I didn't have a context around siblings or male siblings doing anything else it was two girls and I had um, a very progressive father who would classify himself as a feminist and I'd say a feminist mother so I literally had no idea no idea and you'd think oh by a certain age you would have some idea but if you grow up like that and then you still you know all your friends and your you know family life and different workplaces were you know pretty normal like you know how you'd expect them I'm 44 and I remember in the early days of after being elected the Lord Mayor like being a councillor beforehand as well and not really having a massive issue as a councillor just being just overwhelmed and shocked by the reaction that people had to me being a woman and my age. I think those two combined tended to freak people out. And local government, in terms of a senior management area, it has been, and our council at that time, all the senior managers were men. Yeah. Mm. So if I if they said, oh, what do you think about something? And believe me, I had some opinions of how to get to get things done <laughs> properly. They literally would ignore me. Wow. Oh, yeah. I've heard stories about, I had a friend who worked for um, a, a male-dominated organisation. I won't say who it is. But she was on the management team. And this is probably going back about 15 years ago. But she said that she was so excited to get this job. And it was her dream job because she loved this organisation so much. But I remember she said she would go into meetings. I think she was a marketing manager and um, she'd go into meetings and she would get there and all the men would walk in the room and they would all go sit up one end of the big Mm. board table and leave her sitting on Mm. her own up the other end. Mm. And I think she lasted three months. Mm. It was They would play these Mm. little mind games with her, totally disrespected her. Um, And she was, was a smart cookie, but they wanted her to know that in the she whole accepted yeah absolutely yeah. and she left really shattered mm. because she actually really loved that organization mm. she was a huge fan yeah <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah i think there is the, the very noticeable ones even the ones where you know the boys go together to the go to the bathroom and you kind of miss out on some of that mm. conversation but for the last five years i've been running mindfulness um leadership for women and where we started was identifying an incredible 
really low self-confidence. And I think that that low self-confidence that many women experience is an indicator of a system that isn't actually balanced. So Michael Kimmel, who does a fantastic TED talk, he he talks about how the day when he realised that he was a white privileged male Mm -hmm. and that was when uh, they were doing a tutorial and one of the women, the white women said, well, you know, I think we women, we have all fought the same with the same battle. We've all had the same experience. And then a black woman said, well, I'm not so sure. And the white woman said, well, what do you mean? She said, well, when you look in the mirror, what do you see? And the white woman says, I see a woman. And the black woman says, well, see, that's the problem because when I look in the mirror, I see a black woman. Mm. And then they said to Michael Kimmel, so what do you see? And he said, I see a human being. Mm. And so the further away we are from the human being, which is the white Mm. male, the more we feel there's something wrong with us Mm. and we have to compensate in order to be normal or to be right. And so, you know, I remember when my children were born, I had a deep shame almost of wanting to admit that I was a mother and, I, and that they took part of my time because I thought that is, doesn't belong in the workplace. Mm. And that shame, I think, still some have. That it's kind of, it's an inconvenience, if you like, which is a terrible way <laughs> of experiencing motherhood, mm-hmm. right? But there was that really poor integration and honouring of all dimensions of us, I think. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Support a sister and leave us a review whenever you listen to the podcast. What do you think we do? I mean, the, mm. the, the theme this year for Inter- International Women's Day is choose to challenge, which is really, I guess, to challenge those um, inequities that have become norm norms, that have become normal. Mm. I'm like, what do we do? What do you think we do? Smash <laughs> down that glass ceiling. Mm. I mean, you just don't have a choice. Yeah. You make sure that you are supporting, you know, the sisterhood. Yeah. And be very mindful of that and making sure that if you expect to be treated in a certain way that you're treating everybody else in yeah. the same way as well. Yeah. yeah. And do you know what I think as well, you know, unfortunately, it does happen that because, because you know, in corporate world, in business, that those um, positions um, at the top have been dominated by men, that, you know, women have really pushed each other down to try and scramble their way or, mm. or fight their way to the top. And, you know, it is unfortunate, but it does happen in that we kind of sometimes, we as sisters, as women, hold ourselves, hold each other back a little bit, mm. you know, and that's a real mindset shift, mm. I guess. But yeah. on the other hand, isn't that another oppressor for women that we should be freaking nice? Mm. I mean, oh. men have competed forever, mm. right? Mm. Yeah. That we compete sometimes, well, it's part of life, Yeah. right? I'd, you know, ideally, yes, we all stick together. But, you know, it's half of the world's population sticking together. That ain't going to happen, mm. right? So I think we're very hard. Again, it's another way of oppressing women to kind of demand of us that we should be so nice. I love you always challenge well, that stuff, Charlotte. <laughs> you know what? I, yeah, I, I think, you know, encouraging this you know, habit of healthy debate, you know, women are so afraid to, you know, to just have those tough conversations now more than ever, like with everything that's going on in the world right now, being able to have these conversations where you might hold opposing views or or whatever it is, but still be able to, you know, kind of have that respect and, and love towards each other. And in a healing way, I think is so important. Like, mm. we just don't ever, you know, actually have those conversations. Yeah, yeah. 
I think women are so afraid of like pointing out, you know what I mean? I have a lot of tough conversations on a lot oh, of days. Oh, they're yeah. terrifying. They're, they're, women don't want to do it. And then it comes out in other ways. It comes yes. out in that. Yeah. yeah. But I, interestingly enough, I grew up playing a lot of sport. Mm. So and I haven't, and I've talked about this before, although I have had these challenges due to gender and, you know, probably other issues, could be political points of view or whatever it might be, I've had enough confidence to push on. Yeah. And that's when I say you just sometimes you need to smash down that, that glass ceiling. Mm. But when we're talking about work and what Charlotta was saying, the whole nature of work is a masculine construct. Yeah. The hours of work and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe COVID, I think it's been pretty tough on women's work. Women's work, having to work and also Mm. homeschool. Absolutely. And you can't – sometimes you have to have these conversations all at the same time because it's not just about women. Mm. It's about all of us as human beings Mm. and what those expectations are of all of us in society because I can tell you that when you're a female in a leadership role, there is elements of – you know, emasculating people Mm. and men around you that you have to take into consideration because you can't just strip back, you know, generations of culture and conditioning conditioning and Mm. expectations of behaviour. And I've had to be mindful of that, you know, in personal relationships and also in professional relationships because that all exists. And, you know, then we should also touch on the superwoman myth. Like, yeah, yeah. Mm. oh, yeah, she can have it all. Mm. (laughs) Like, it just doesn't exist. Mm. And if you do want equity and fairness in your society, you're going to have to have areas that compensate for that. When Charlotta said she sort of, in her professional time when she had young children, I remember... For um, for a means to an end, you know, there's internal ballots within the Labor Party. When I was, I was still breastfeeding when I was first elected my third child. There was definitely people that I did not bring up the fact that I had a baby mm, yeah. when I was going to be running for council. Mm, yeah. Do you think yeah. Jacinta Ardern's changed that? I I don't know if any of you heard um, Julia Gillard's talk, but one of the things that really struck me was to say that when she was first, she was the first, you know, of course, Australian prime, female prime minister. She had to prove that she could do the job. Mm. Did you notice yeah. that one? And then now Jacinda is the third New Zealand mm. one. So she now has choice mm. to really mm. integrate masculinity with mm. femininity. Mm. And I think that's where it's getting exciting. I think, mm. you know, right now we've got this whole really intense political discussion um, around victim blaming, for instance, you know, all that's happening with the rape mm. allegations. allegations. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think it's really interesting when we're challenging on a deeper level. We're mm. going, why is it so that it's not as easy for a woman who've been raped to press charges as it mm. is if, you, if somebody's robbed something for me, mm. from me, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so if I get robbed, we don't go, well, you have too much stuff anyway, you're not looking after it properly, do we? Mm. Right? But we do that. So, so I think it's opening up for bigger discussions around this. And hopefully also we're seeing from Jacinda and others that beautiful integration of the feminine and the masculine. And that's where we need to be going. Yeah. So that, yes, there's still the battle to fight around men and women. Absolutely, we're still seeing... 7.6% CEOs of Fortune 500 companies being called Andrew and only 5% being women. So we've got a long way to go. But we also have the other area, which is exactly what we're talking about, that integration of the feminine values with the masculine. Well, I'm, I'm going to say this, you know, after spending time volunteering in Nepal, and I've, I've done that three times now, I go, damn, We've come a long way in our Mm. country, in our city, Mm. because when, you know, spending time over there in Nepal, and I know there's many, many countries that are similar, they have such a strong caste system, but such strong views around gender. And really, women are held as 
second-class citizens and in some villages, you know. It's property. Absolutely, as property. It's heartbreaking. And sometimes, you know, I was I was reading something and it was, it was somebody uh, probably a, a white middle-class privileged person saying, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not really affected by gender inequity. And I'm like, well, you need to go travel overseas. Mm. And really, because globally, it still is so such huge. a problem. And I actually feel pretty grateful that um, to live in this great country, this great city. And as much as we do have a long way to go, I tell you what, we're a lot further along than some women around the globe. I think the the other points that were raised with the former Prime Minister, and she had a pretty tough time, was around education. And the way out of that for you know the first world or whether it be the third world as well is making sure we're educated. And that's not just, you know, the book style, mm. you know, school style education. That's having these conversations. Mm. And it's so pleasing to see that International Women's Day is much more on everybody's radar. Mm. I know, it it's great. Yeah. And yeah. For, for me, knowing about it, like and celebrating it for a long time, but seeing it really become part of normal discourse means it's of course it's not just one day but it's one day to talk about these issues you know keep the comparison going in you know all different facets of our lives and you know I've got two daughters and my daughter's lives as well because if you don't have these conversations how will anyone learn Mm, absolutely absolutely Nez can I ask you who's been some strong female role models in your life and why I have to say I really admire Michelle Bridges yeah I think for me because I grew up with such a sporting background I was so used to being coached and being pushed and being kind of spoken to in a way that it it never really phased me and then when I became a coach I really noticed that a lot of men that I would coach didn't respect me in the same way that they may my fellow coaches male coaches and I remember Michelle Bridges was kind of the first person I saw in that scene that was I suppose maybe engaging more with that masculine energy but calling women to a higher standard and having those you know tough conversations with them and not holding back and I just really admire that and I admire that she's out in the out there kind of encouraging women to get stronger physically yeah because I've seen it every you know I see it all the time when women tap into their bodies and they become stronger and fitter and more skilled and you know they feel more capable in their bodies their confidence and their natural ability and they're just you know everything else just radiates I've, I've seen it a thousand percent well then you're doing amazing work. yeah I hope so I, I say work. it all the time I'm like I don't focus on weight loss or anything like that I'm always saying to the girls just focus on getting fitter stronger more skills happier healthier you know all those other things and yeah I think yeah coming from that industry she has to be a standout for me for sure yeah the dear body, Charlotta. The dear body. <laughs> what about you, my friend? You're an international traveller, speaker, author. Who would be a female role model that, that that really inspires you and why? Well, I, at the moment, I'm a little bit of a fan of Angela Merkel from Germany. Because <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, she has humility and she just gets on with it, but in a modest, common sense way without the rah-rah stuff. And I really admire that. I think, you know, we actually need those kind of boring leaders because they're the ones that are not there with overconfidence and over-promising, but just doing the job. And I love that little story about her that went the first time she went to the US and they put the red runner out and all the big cars, etc. She said, that's all fine, but I'm going to walk. Yeah. You know, and I think, wow, that's, that's really something. And also in my personal life, some of my aunts have been amazing women, you know, um, and close women. So they yeah. just did 
kind of followed their own heart and um, was still there with compassion and heart, but also bright and shining and outspoken. Yeah. What about you, Natali? You know, Lord Mayor of the city, have you had any female role models that have really inspired you to to get to where you are? Yeah, it's very close to home, probably touching on what Charlotte said uh, around her family. And I think I mentioned it before. When I reflect on, you know, how I am maybe sometimes a little bit different to other people or, you know, how what has shaped me, I always think back to my mother. And yeah. we always have, you know, interesting relationships with our mothers. And mum was pretty staunch feminist. And not that I realised until later on because I just grew up like that. But she also was, you know, very uh, firm on education and uh you know promoting education not just for us but for herself so she would be about 75 now so she went back and did a law degree as a mature age student when i was a teenager so she sort of walked the walk uh so to speak and these days you know six years into this role which is quite a high profile uh role in just in the city of newcastle with a lot of different challenges and you've got a sort of a domestic life to balance And people say, well, how do you do it all? And I'm like, well, my mother used to refuse to iron and also didn't accept any type of domestic gifts as an actual gift for a woman. You know, (laughs) back in the day, you could imagine mum's generation, people would go, oh, here's a new kettle for your birthday. (laughs) Mum was like, do never, ever think to buy a woman some sort of like appliance appliance or domestic thing. That that doesn't count. So that's just like a little, you know, uh, suska anecdote. But, yeah, if you grow up uh, with a mother like that, you do end up with, a, I think, a very different set of values and different set of expectations that probably has allowed me to be able to get through some pretty tough times due to gender if I flash back to about five or six years ago. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, I, I, it's funny, when I think about do I have a particular role model that inspires me? I, I do. I've loved seeing Jacinda Arden and, yes. and and what she's doing in New Zealand in, in terms of being a mother and even an unmarried mother, yes. you know? Yes. <laughs> I, I love that. know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, got, I love that she has challenged, I suppose, um, once upon a time what would have been deemed as scandalous. I've been watching Bridgerton. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my Rather God. Like gap between that and... Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I, got, I do love that. But it's interesting for me it's been – many women that along my journey have given me little wisdoms along the way mm. um or observing different women so i would say both of you to be honest um have, and you and being role models i don't see i can feel like i feel like a complete fraud but <laughs> complete imposter well you're not, no, no, you're not. <laughs> but both of you in conversations that we've had have said little things that i've remembered that in times where i've needed to dig a bit deep that things that you have both said and many and and other women as well that's really inspired me and it's helped me get through I remember once I was talking to you Natalia and I was like you know down in the dumps because somebody had been so publicly awful to me (laughs) and I was just devastated and how could that person woman be so mean to me and I remember talking to you and I said how do you do it how do you be a woman and be such a public figure and and be attacked in the media and and you said to me you said because I absolutely believe what I'm doing is right and I remember you said that and I, I so I went within and I was like that's the answer 
I just need to stop listening to that mm-hmm. bullshit mm-hmm. and actually go, what do I believe in? Mm-hmm. And I what I believe what I'm doing is right. Mm-hmm. So none of that matters, you know. Mm-hmm. And Miss Charlotte, oh my goodness, there's a whole list of things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I go, you know, I'm always learning and growing from other women, so I'm very grateful to you all. Let's get soulful on social media. Search the Sister Code Facebook page and follow us on Instagram. And we do learn from each other. And I think there has never been a, a stronger need for women to who have heart and mind online to speak out. You yeah. know, the world desperately needs that sane, compassionate voice. It's really needed. I think uh, probably the only so the very high-profile person that I would often think about in that context, in a global context, would be Michelle Obama. Yep. I think she's played a really important yes. role over the last couple of decades of being that voice for women yeah sanity and that rational voice and also lifting up women or anybody in that process that's been you know suffered some sort of discrimination or disadvantage and not buying into bullshit i love her Mm. when they go low we go high yeah 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 i have to use that quite a few (laughs) (laughs) it's a bit worn for you yes yeah yeah. i'm like oh here we go we've got to roll out another thing for a press release well we'll start with that shall we yeah 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 absolutely (laughs) I tell you what, I have been watching Bridgerton. I've watched it twice now. Stop it. Uh, yeah. Uh, is there another reason you're watching that? It's, it's, it can't be. There's a lack of costumes in some places. There is a lot of lack of costumes and a very, very... Um, Exciting. Yes, yeah, band in there. But, um, no. but um, I, I find that so interesting going the role of women in that society. You talk about accessories and breeding machines. Oh, my Lord. I watched that and... I'm like, thank goodness we've progressed past that. And I kind of love that Daphne, the you know, the central female character, that she can see it and she feels kind of stuck in it, but she wants more, but she doesn't quite know how to get there. And I'm like, thank God we've progressed past that. But also how confusing that is for men who, who might be have been brought up traditionally, that mm. when women are then so empowered and going, well, mm. I don't really know that I necessarily want to get married. I don't know that I necessarily want to have children. I'm really excited about this. I think I'm going to go on a little trip. You know, that's, you know, mm. when when men perhaps were brought up to think that, well, you know, what I say kind of rules a little bit. You know, no wonder it's, con- you know, it's mm. a confusing time. Yeah. And that's the emasculation that I was talking about. Mm. And it is, it's an issue for both, I guess, women to deal with in certain circumstances and also men because that's the result of that. They're brought up a certain way or culturally um, exposed to a certain type of behaviour. And when it's different to those expectations, Mm. it can be quite jarring. And there's not um, any malice involved, but I guess people on both sides of that equation don't really know how to resolve it, what should happen next. No, because we think often it's personal and we forget about that cultural dimension to it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And that can be um, that emasculating, I guess, behaviour. It's taken a certain way. I guess it's sometimes described uh, in a more academic way as unconscious bias, Mm. um, particularly more if you're talking about in the workplace and the like, because it it 100% exists. And Mm. we all have it, like the three Mm. of us will have it in some way, shape or form. But that unconscious bias does you know, flow out, particularly, I think, in terms of gender in the workplace. But there's definitely positive changes, yep. you know, as you've said a number of times. Have you um heard this stat? I've, I've heard that they say it will take 100 years 
before we have an equal society. Have you heard that? That's around um, pay equality. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's around if you could incrementally get pay equality for um, uh, men and women. So, ladies, what do we wish for in the world for women? Well, one thing that I, I, you know, like I said, I've worked for a long time with this thing about, you know, women in the workplace, and I'm more and more stuck on this idea of the importance of parental leave. So if I were to give advice to women who perhaps haven't had their children yet, it would be make sure you share the parental leave. Research is really clear. Per week that you do that, you increase the chance of you actually staying together and you're setting yourself up in a really healthy way in sharing the responsibility for the home. But also it's a way to really shape things in a deep way because I think now when a woman of about 30 is looking for a job, in the back of many's mind is, well, she's going to stop and have a child. Well, if we know that men are also going to take, and actually we realize that they are also parents, (laughs) then both... It will apply to both men and women, and that's where we want to go. And also the pay gap will also improve because both are in the same boat. So I think that that's one of the areas where I'd really suggest to women, really look at that. And the other thing would be to really befriend yourself, to yeah. be, you know, to really be kind to yourself and be curious around the cultural input. And also even the thing that we've got such, a, I think, a masculine push that we must perform, we must be successes, we must be empowered, we must get out there. Well, don't worry if that's not you. If you want to have a contented life where you know you have a basic income and you live on that, then you go for that. Find your own, where is your bliss? Where's your contented point? And don't let anyone else tell you otherwise. Yeah, it's about choice. And I guess sometimes too many choices that can be overwhelming for people. But really in what Charlotte is saying is it's about choice. So if you want to take on the world and, you know, become the Prime Minister of New Zealand or run a very large global corporation. Go for it. Go for it. (laughs) And gender should not be a factor in that equation. But having said that, if you're equally as content to work part time, raise children or whatever that might be, garden, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's about having choice and allowing people to, you know, follow their own very personal goals completely regardless of gender well happy international women's day ladies thank you and we have to hear yours what's your tip oh my my wish for the world yeah do you know what my wish for the world is really about um and i and i i think reflecting back to the time that i spent in nepal i really believe that education and and people the poorest of the poor having access to education and again I, I visited some really really poor villages there where there's no education except you know tribal so no choices yeah 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 and um you know and seeing so many girls exposed to trafficking or having experienced trafficking I I was really lucky that from a little girl my dad always said to me you're going to university he said you always want to make sure that no matter what happens you can look after yourself I'm so grateful for him that he was like that we've got three girls and a boy so he had three daughters (laughs) to begin with so right away he's like right you girls are going to university and you're Mm going to get an education and um and that before my baby brother came along but um I really believe very strongly and and I will say it actually makes me quite sad sometimes that in our society where education is so freely available that it's not necessarily valued because it is the key I believe Mm. and we are seeing more women now taking those on those longer educations than men Mm. which will be really interesting in terms of relationship dynamics and all that sort of things to come isn't it a hundred percent that's going to be exceptionally interesting how that plays out because more often than not people will choose to procreate Mm. and someone has to look after them 
Yeah. And that's where some sort of policy settings can come in around parental leave, around the first five years and who is paying for that education. You see really good outcomes in Scandinavian countries where that education is part of their national curriculum and provided to everybody. And you see really good outcomes for the children in those early five years, but you also see really great outcomes for gender equality in the workplace as well. Yep. The only one that there's a really funny thing that's just come out is that in Norway, of course, where they're, they're probably the country that's most ahead in this area with parental leave they're seeing a significant drop in births (laughs) right because part of the reward is actually having time off yeah or they can't decide i'm not sure which yeah that's what they're seeing which is really interesting it is but that is sort of when you're trying to target education to the third world countries that you're talking about that will empower those women part of the payoff for that is the drop in the birth rate yes Mm. because they then have a choice and really that then ties into us as a global society having to ensure the future of the planet there's only a certain size of population we can sustain exactly so we're educating women good for women yes good for gender equality good for the planet the planet yes it all works it all works yes it all works i loved having this conversation today yes me too yeah, yeah. And do you know what? Because as we were saying before, it all starts with a conversation. I mean, I know that there are there are lots of events, there are marches, that sort of thing, but it starts with a conversation and a conversation with your children, a conversation, you know, with colleagues in the workplace, a conversation in schools. Conversation is one first step, but it's an, a really, really important one. I suppose we've seen that in Got Your Back, Sister. Having the conversation, raising awareness is a big step, but then there has to be follow through. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think think that curiosity with each other is really important because I also you know get at the moment when you're listening to politicians particularly around these uh, rape allegations that it's not necessarily malice let's let it, it could be right but let's say it's not then it is that that implicit privilege is so clouding what they see they see you know they're just living out a, a representation of our culture which is blame the victim which is you know la da da and and it's not their fault in a way it is their responsibility to listen and to learn like it is all of ours but it does make it difficult for them if we are to see it with you know with grace I suppose. Yeah I think that is a really important conversation I uh, made sure that I uh, watched Grace Tame yesterday do the uh, press yep. club address and it was exceptionally heartfelt and moving and educational all at the same time and you know really she's not asking for that much out of society and um, I hope the powers that be listen and um, respond in kind and there's some really practical solutions explaining um, the situation she ended up in in Tasmania which is just horrendous Mm -hmm. and uh, being gagged essentially because of the legislation that was peculiar to that state and that Education, again, was her recommendation as the key in her role this year as Australian of the Year, which is a very important role and I think a wonderful choice because there's eight different pieces of legislation that deals with different parts of, you know, each of us and our human rights. Yeah. And um, having that inconsistency means Mm -hmm. educating people on what um, is expected of all our behaviours also becomes very difficult. Yeah. So really practical advice. Well, thank you so much for coming in here today, International Women's Day. Um, I'm looking forward to going to a, a morning tea this morning and having um, some great discussion on stage uh, at, the, at the Lord Mayor's morning tea. Yeah, it's Lord fantastic. Um, <laughs> since I became the Lord Mayor, we've been always doing an event for uh, International yeah. Women's Day. 
and uh, we get you know our citizens of the year, our community groups of the year, our senior citizens of the year together, and that's an opportunity for people to get to know them uh, a little better. Yeah. And it's a really nice way to sort of come together and celebrate International Women's Day. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to um, hearing from Jackie Lappin, wonderful uh, Janice Mesomichi um, in Hamilton. They've got great stories to tell, but we also have amazing women working in council. I think I mentioned before when I first started, <laughs> it was wall-to-wall men in our senior leadership. It's now, I think, 60% women. Perfect. Wow. And That's two of our amazing, yeah, great. <laughs> two of our amazing women will be there, Julie Baird yep. and Loretta. Uh, from our art gallery and our museum. Awesome. Wonderful. Beautiful. Well, happy International Women's Day. Yes. I hope you have an amazing day. And sisters, it's all stand in solidarity today around the world to stand against gender bias and inequity. And celebrate how far we've come. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Hey Soul Sister with Mel Histon. What would help you on your crazy life journey? Email melissa at thesistercode.com.